The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Initiative, Welcome to the Avengers Initiative, WandaVision, a PapiChuloRadio.com original series. Papi Chulo Radio, celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Monday, February 22nd, 2021, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on Disney Plus's WandaVision. WandaVision. Please welcome my co-hosts, Priscilla Rocha. And I did, and I killed the little dog too. His name was Sparky. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> and Professor X. I was going to do exactly that joke as well. Damn you, Priscilla. Well, there you go. She's back, and and she's already getting fussed at. Um, all right. So before we start everything, because we did miss Priscilla last week. Unfortunately, she was one of many Americans that was. Uh, powerless, literally, and snowed in. Um, Priscilla, I, I want to give you the chance to, um, to just give you know, a little odds and ends, brief thoughts on the episode last week, in particular uh, because it was the first episode where we actually saw Evan Peters in action as Pietro. Uh, so do you have any brief thoughts on last week before we start talking about this week, which we have a lot to talk about? I don't trust him. Like, I saw him, and the whole time she was interrogating him and being like, do you remember that kid with wonky eye? I was like, good. Interrogate him. Nail him to the wall, because I don't trust him, and you shouldn't either. There's something wrong with this picture, and something is off, and I don't think that it's that he's coming from another dimension, and just trying to be your brother. I think that this is something else entirely and you need to sort this out, Wanda, before he ruins your house or does something to you. Okay. I like it. Mistrust of uh, Evan Peters. Uh, What many seasons of American Horror Story has taught us, Priscilla, right? Yes, it's so true. It's I see him yeah. and I automatically think that think of like him as the hotelier, and I'm just like, no, I don't trust you. You, you should have a mustache and be twirling it right about now. Yeah, Mr. March, that was a very good character. American Horror Story Hotel uh, listeners, um, check it out. All right, well now. Let's talk about this episode. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 1, Episode 7, which was titled Breaking the Fourth Wall and aired February 19th, 2021 via Disney+. Plus. Okay, and, and debuted, I should say, and debuted February 19th, 2021 via Disney+. Plus. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Monica plots her return. Wanda navigates unsettling complications, 
and vision forms a new alliance. Okay. So, the episode is called Breaking the Fourth Wall. I'm just going to break the episode, because we're talking about that end right now. Because there's no way in hell we're, we're, like, we're going to try to tiptoe around it. Listen, we know the listeners are tuning in and they've seen the episode, but we do try to go in sort of order, so, to make sense of stuff. But we're talking about that end. So, uh, let's let's go. Uh, I'll do the setup. Um, So, Agnes has taken Wanda away from a heated confrontation. We will be talking about that heated confrontation later on. And she takes her to her house. Uh, She had been watching the kids. Um, The music goes from 2000's sitcom peppiness to sinister. Um, she she looks down. She sees half-eaten uh, peanut butter and um, jelly sandwiches. Yo Gabba Gabba is on the damn TV. She's like, where are the twins? Oh, they must be down in the basement. So Wanda goes down to the basement. I don't know if y'all noticed, but I, hopefully y'all did. Um, at a certain point, when Wanda cross, crosses a threshold the aspect ratio goes from the aspect ratio uh, um, from, from the, um, the, the sitcom world that Wanda has created in the Hex to uh, the real world. And so the aspect ratio changes. We're in a very uh, uh, dark um, catacomby type of area with vines and columns and very interesting decor. If you freeze framed and look looked around, especially at um, certain um, symbols and emblems etched on the columns uh, in Sachet's Agnes. You didn't think you were only a magical girl in town. You know, it's nice to finally meet you. I'm Agatha Harkness. And we see her wielding purple magic. We also see a very interesting book that has a sort of orange glow around it. And we see her her being Agatha, Hexify Wanda, and uh, provides Wanda the information that it was, yes, I'm going to say it, Agatha all along. We get an Agatha Harkness theme song akin to the Munsters, and we see that it was indeed Agatha all along. And the episode ends, you know, uh, (laughs) please stand by, which has turned into a meme. Let's talk about this. I mean, here's the funny thing. I mean, I feel like we've been talking about this since the first episode that she's Agatha Harkness. So is this brand new information, maybe for the people out there that are watching that aren't podcasting about it and aren't reading about Easter eggs and are not freeze-framing the commercials and, you know, going by a frame-by-frame type of situation? Um, but here's the thing, like, I, I saw this meme online that was hilarious. It was like, um, it said something like, you know, episode one, you know, Agnes is Agatha Harkness. I know it, I know it, y'all are going to see. And then it's like episode seven, 
you know, it's been Agatha all along. And then it's like an image of like somebody with their jaw dropped. Because even though we all knew it, like my jaw still dropped because it was fucking bloody brilliant. The song was everything. That was Catherine Hahn singing in the song, if you did not know listeners or even my co-hosts like it was just it was fantastic like i'm just gonna glow about it because it was just awesome priscilla it was agatha all along what did you think of the reveal what'd you think of the theme song uh what'd you think of that moment at the end of the episode man i loved it especially since um little things like finding out that the modern family-ish narrator, the person that was talking to to um, Wanda and saying, don't you think it really is your fault? Like, was pitched lower, but it was still Agatha Harkness's voice. And you didn't know this until people actually, like, delved into it a little bit more after it was Agatha all along. And went back and repitchified that voice and was like, oh, shit, you're right. It was Agatha all along. It was her voice. So, like, little things like that make oh, me want to Oh, people actually did that? That's yeah. fascinating. That's awesome. People, be, stuff like that makes me want to go back and be like, do I see purple anywhere in the background? Do I see like little smoke anywhere in the background do i see her twisting her hands anywhere in the background because i want to know whether or not she's doing anything because now i suspect everything that she's been doing because like it we we've been on this podcast so we suspected her from the jump and all of us were like we love her as a character we love what she's bringing to the table, but there's something odd about her, and we want to know whether she's there as, like, just a sidekick that was supposed to help Wanda and got sucked into this world, or maybe now she's a bad guy and she's starting this whole world and she is leading Wanda into doing all of this, and that's what we've come up with with our theories. So, Mm -hmm. like, there's just a lot of of theory-mongering going on in this. But but I like that it was proven correct that it was Agatha all along that... She has been a bad guy, and we were proven correct. It was Agatha Harkness. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, okay, I do have theories. Um, I, I, I'm trying to wonder. I think I'm going to save them for, for the end, because it will lead into a conversation of what comes next. Um, it's something that's interesting to go back and look at. And I didn't... I mean, I, I had read... Uh, that people had noticed this, but I didn't mention it on the podcast just because uh, I, I didn't know what it meant. But apparently in the very first episode that Evan Peters appears as Quicksilver at the end of the 80s episode, when he shows up and Wanda opens the door, there's a mirror in the background. And apparently there's like a hand 
that's reaching out behind uh, Pietro. That that it, there's a hand in the mirror that that's clearly not Wanda's and clearly not Pietro's. It's like you know reaching out. So maybe that was an Easter egg from way back when of something happening. So apparently, if you want to see a freeze frame of that, you can Google it. Okay, Professor, it was Agatha all along. I mean, Kel surprise. I, I mean, were you surprised? Did you, were you excited? I mean, I know you weren't surprised, but were you still surprised though? Even though I know you weren't surprised, because I was still surprised, even though I wasn't surprised. I, I wasn't surprised. I was delighted. You know, the way they did the reveal and giving her the song, because as I said, you know, I was afraid that this was that. You know, the last episode was the last time we would get one of those killer theme songs because you know contemporary uh, sitcoms don't have theme songs anymore. So I was thinking, and indeed the opening of it was, you know, a, an homage to happy endings. It just had, you know, uh, instrumental music playing. Um, so we didn't get, you know, the theme songs that have been so delightful in most of the episodes, but then to get Agatha at the end, getting her own theme song uh, was just brilliant because, you know, you know, it's, it's just so cleverly metatextual that, you know, uh, up until now, it's always been Wanda getting the theme song, Wanda getting the theme song. Now that we realize it was Agatha all along and Agatha gets the theme song, um, something that, you know, I, I, I blush to admit, I, I never thought of this until uh, I heard someone else mentioning it just in terms of saying the name out loud, you know, we've, we've all, you know, sort of assumed that Catherine Hahn was uh, Agatha Harkness because you know, her name is Agnes and she was wearing a brooch and says, Oh, and, and Agatha in the comic books wore a brooch very similar to that, but her name, Agnes, Agatha Harkness, Agnes. And yes. I never made that connection. Really? I never realized that, Oh my God, the name was right there staring us in the face. Yes. Um, but, oh, my God, that theme song was just so good. Everything, in- including, and I killed Sparky, too. <laughs> because that was something we discussed. Did she actually kill Sparky? Did Sparky just die there? What happened? Um, you know, and showing one of the things I love is when you see things that have happened in a show from a different perspective. So showing her behind the scenes, you know, her, you know, little manipulations and stuff like that, everything that was going on. Oh, my God. I just loved it. And also possibly as great as the theme songs have been in every episode, possibly the best theme song of all. Uh, Facts. All along. Facts. I, oh my God. That was so, so good. Facts. Just spectacular. And it sets us up for, you know, really a great, you know, not really, it's not really a cliffhanger in the sense of, oh my God, what happens next? It's a cliffhanger of, I really need to know the backstory of, of Agatha and how she got to be here and, and what's going on. So my gosh, what a great way to reveal it. You know, not, you know, to save it for the end of the episode like that, give it a theme song uh, and just totally, you know, record scratch resetting for the final two episodes. Ah, just brilliantly done. Yes. Facts. Uh, listeners, go to YouTube. There are remixes of Agatha all along and all of them are even more spectacular than the last one that you'll listen to. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, good grief. Now I have, you gave me an idea, Professor, and I think I know what the next episode is going to be. I think the next episode is going to be called The Clip Show, and it's going to be showing us stuff, like flashbacks, things tying together, like how all of this happened. Like, I feel like we need to have that before the finale. 
Um, I don't know if I'm yeah, right. I agree. I think because I, you know, assuming the finale or even possibly in the next episode, you know, there's, there's obviously, you know, we're building to a, you know, a big typical, you know, uh, MCU, you know, a fight climax sort of thing, but we do have to have some backstory, uh, explaining, uh, you know, Agatha and, and possibly filling in more of the, uh, the hidden details about, you know, what was happening with vision's body and everything like that. So I do think the, the, the focus of the next episode is going to be, you know, filling in backstory, explaining, you know, how the hex came to be exactly what's going on, what Agatha's motivations are. So we know she, what she did. We don't know why she did it. And I think that's going to be the, the big part of the next episode. And, uh, Oh, I'm just I'm totally on board with it. I mean, Catherine Hahn has been spectacular uh, all series and just so, so good, not just in the Agatha reveal, but, you know, in the sitcom leading up to it. She was so good. I beat a child once. Yes. Yes. <laughs> OK. And then when you find I, out, you realize, oh, she probably did buy a child once. Yeah. I still think that it's going to have like a moment either next episode or the following episode where she's going to be like, Oh honey, I poked the bear, but let's get it straight here. You're still the bear. Like where she's going to say, I'm the bad guy, but like, I'm not completely, you're not completely innocent either. So Wanda takes part of the blame in this because it still mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. like even even if you still want to say that she's not all bad, not all good, like she's still a bad guy for keeping people inside of a dome. Yes, I don't disagree with you. Like I think Wanda has a lot of blame. Um, I I do think Agatha has clearly some blame as well. And I still think there's something else out there. And I will, I, I, I don't want to talk about it just yet because it, it, it's going to lead to us maybe theorizing about what's to come. But uh, I do have a question later on about that book um, because I feel like I know what it is potentially. And um, that's just going to open a can of worms right now. So we're not going to talk about the book. Forget about the book. Let's talk about this episode's uh, homage to uh, television, which in essence is modern day family sitcoms, Uh, you know, things like Modern Family, which, I mean, really was the, the central focus. I know a lot of people were like, it's The Office as well. And the theme... I, I think was a little office-ish. Um, the visuals, I, I'll be honest, I've never seen The Office. Um, the visuals reminded me of happy endings, like the professor said, uh, because it was, um, if you've ever seen the uh, sitcom, um, the comedy, well, I guess it's technically it could fall into sitcom, um, happy endings, their opening is, you know, happy, but like in, in different signs. And that's what it reminded me of. I think from what I've seen of The Office, because I have heard the theme, and I think I've seen the credits just, you know, scrolling through YouTube videos and stuff. Um, It's like locations, isn't it? Or something? It's like still images? I don't know if it's the same. The visuals uh, for the the theme was... um no, the the opening was clearly a just nothing but a happy endings um, a yeah. montage, but the show itself was Modern Family. Yeah, and the theme, the music was The Office. It sounded Office-ish, didn't it? The mm, music sounded like happy endings to me. Okay. Well, it was an instrumental. We'll go with that. So, are we fans? Like, have we seen Modern Family? Did we get 
uh, what they were trying to do. I mean, it's in essence, it's taking what some sitcoms uh, did as, in essence, a response to reality television, which is, you know, uh, where the characters do break the fourth wall. It's filmed mockumentary style with, uh, you know, uh, confessionals to the camera, you know, the uh, characters knowing that cameras are watching them, so there's a lot of reactions to the camera and that sort of thing. Are we fans of those type of uh, comedies, uh, Priscilla? I am. I, I, I freaking love shows like that. Like, I, when I saw the opening to Happy Ending, sort of, in there, I was like, is that what we're getting? Because I thought we were getting something like Modern Family. That's what the the spoilers were all saying beforehand. So when I got the interview style, I was like, oh, okay, thank God, because... As much as I like happy endings, I really wanted the interview style to get more of a backstory to Wanda to maybe get more of her opinions, to get more of what she's feeling behind what her actions are. And we definitely got it this episode. Yeah, Wanda was Claire Dunphy on crack. It was <laughs> spectacular to watch. Professor, what about you? Are you fans? Uh, are you a fan of this style of modern day comedy? Uh, I like it. I, I've never been a big watcher of Modern Family, but I have watched enough of it to realize that Elizabeth Olsen was doing a spot on Claire Dunphy, and like really just my gosh she did it so well like the hand gestures the head gestures the way she was talking to the camera she totally nailed it and uh you know and 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 much as i i prefer the office and then you know certainly i prefer happy endings the thing is you know it's you know modern family is a family sitcom and this had to have the family element so i think that was the smart way to go uh it allowed them to break the fourth wall it allowed it to be you know very focused on elizabeth olsen talking to camera and uh uh, and giving us all that great stuff um, while still, you know, locking it into a uh, a sitcom. And all, honestly, like, you know, Modern Family has been, you know, one of the top rated sitcoms for the past, you know, nine or ten years. So it kind of makes sense in terms of, you know, the recognizability of that. Whereas uh, I think Happy Endings or something like that is much more of a, of a niche. It only ran for three seasons and, and never had great ratings. So as much as, you know, you or I or Priscilla would recognize the Happy Endings, uh, opening, I think if they'd gone with the, the happy endings uh, style of it, it wouldn't have worked with a family sitcom and it wouldn't have been as recognizable uh, to the audience. Now, having said that, they could have done Big Bang Theory, which everyone would have recognized. But again, you don't have the family element to that. So I think it was the smart play. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, okay. Yeah. And I've seen Modern Family. Uh, I have a love-hate relationship with Modern Family. So, um so, like, I, I noticed everything about it. Uh, they did a fantastic job just uh, tackling Modern Family in the WandaVision world. So, let's continue on with Wanda, because her magic is glitching. Bigly, as some would say in this episode. Uh, man, it's like she just can't control What's what's going on? We see, uh, you know, the almond milk slowly, you know, go back in time to like the different brands from before, before, before to like I guess maybe a 1950s brand. My favorite moment with with Wanda was when she smelled because she had poured the milk in cereal and she just smelled it to make sure it was still good. 
which was spectacular. Um, we see furniture and accents in the house glitch and um, just change, you know, from just the different um, time periods that we've seen in WandaVision, you know, so the, the, you know, the fireplace going back to a 70s fireplace, the television, you know, going into 50s TV, the drapes, the wallpaper, like everything. Like we just see that her magic is completely glitching. And her magic has actually been glitching for the past couple of episodes, if we're being fully honest. Um, ever since maybe the birth episode? Um, when she gave birth to the twins, I think that's when her magic really started to sort of spaz out. Um, an interesting, uh, just trope that was introduced in that episode, which I feel like should have a payoff at some point, is the fact that Wanda couldn't control the twins. I mean, she seems to be able to control everything else and, and magic it away and then magic it, um, in, into, you know, sort of falling into whatever she wants it to do. Uh, but she can't do that with the twins. So that's an interesting point that I think um, we should all remember moving forward. But what do we think of her magic spazzing out? Is it because she increased the hex and um, now she has a larger radius to control? Um, is this just a sign of Wanda's continuing, uh, continued unraveling? Um, and... Uh, I don't know what we want to call it. Her psychosis, her her grief, her um, her her trying to suppress all of these deep and dark emotions uh, by you know living in this sitcommy life in the hex. What what do we think is going on with Wanda's magic, Professor? Well, the first time we had you know back several episodes ago that you know her magic wasn't all powerful there wasn't everything she could control was the stork and when her magic was glitching out here one of the things that came back was the stork which mm -hmm. i thought was interesting as a little callback uh to that even before we realized she couldn't control the twins um you know the stork was there and she couldn't magic it away it just kept coming back um and you know to uh to to re-invoke that i thought was was a nice little touch i don't know whether it's a function of uh because the hex has suddenly become bigger or not i think as you say there have been signs that she's not in complete control um you know not just in terms of of glitching in her neighborhood but the fact that you know the people who are you know on the borders uh, aren't under her complete control so you know she obviously doesn't have complete control over everything that's happening and we have seen you know the the various characters who become aware of their situation you know talking about her you know asking her you know uh what she wants them to do and stuff like that. So I think it, it is part of a, a running theme that she's never been as completely in control as it might have seemed, uh, which I think is interesting. And, uh, you know, given what we found out about Agnes, you know, uh, or Agatha, if you prefer, uh, you know, being, you know, uh, manipulating her, it, it kind of makes sense. So, uh, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. I think, you know, you, you could argue that it's because it's, it's expanded to Hex, but she didn't play it as that she was under any additional stress or anything like that. If, if they played it, they, you know, she was, you know, she did pop a couple of Advil or something like that. So, you know, there could be a headache or something like that, but it wasn't like they were playing it, that she was under stress because of the expansion of the hex. I think it's more just a sense of, you know, perhaps it's her unease, you know, it's, it's the confrontations she had with vision several episodes ago, you know, realizing that she's not living in a reality that she can't stay here forever. 
Um, it could be a manifestation of that, or it could be, you know, Agatha all along. I, I just don't know. Um, I'm hoping it's more internal. It's, it's more that, you know, part of her is rebelling against the fantasy, realizing that she can't live in a fantasy. fantasy. She has to face reality. So it could be, you know, her subconscious, you know, uh, fighting her on some level, which I think would be an interesting take. Very interesting. Did she pop Advil or was that Nexus? <laughs> Question mark. We will be talking about Nexus in a moment. <laughs> I just wanted to tease it. Um, Priscilla, I want to get your take on uh, on um, Wanda's powers as well. Uh, what did you think? What do you think is going on? And uh, did you enjoy the visuals of, you know, seeing um, just uh, I don't know what you, you would call it, but seeing appliances uh, devolve and evolve and go back and forth in time and all that kind of stuff. Man, I loved seeing the milk trick, and I loved seeing the TV trick, too, where it just kind of, like, goes from, like, new age to, like, really old, and Wanda just kind of doesn't care and just keeps watching because she's just kind of over life itself and is just watching things and eating her cereal, not really caring if the milk is soy or if it's almond or if it's old 50s milks just as long as it tastes good with her cheerios or whatever she's eating sugar puffs um but what i think it really is is i think that it's her emotions i think magic is tied to emotions whether um i'm going back to my once upon a time days oh it's once upon a time yes but I think that it's magic is tied to emotions, and I think it's it's tied to how she feels with Vision being gone, and with Vision almost dying again, and with her having to increase the field so Vision doesn't die, but knowing that when Vision comes back, they're going to have to talk about her keeping a whole bunch of people hostage and she doesn't want to talk about that she doesn't want to talk about the fact that she's keeping him here hostage too that she just wants to have an idyllic world and that's why like everything is on the fritz because she's having this conflicting emotions okay I like it. I love the Once Upon a Time uh, tie-in. May I just say that as we're recording this podcast on a Monday night, Agatha All Along is the number three trending thing on Twitter. So people are still talking (laughs) about it, which is kind of hilarious in the most spectacular way possible. Um, Yes. I just If it was on iTunes, it would be the number one song. It's a bop. ITunes. It's good. I would download it. It would be my ringtone. It I uh, yeah, please. Um I I download the Marimba mix. Like I would I would have it as my ringtone. Um okay, let's talk about Nexus, y'all. So something that I that I said in the previous episode, um you know, is that that I think is interesting. So, so when we look back at all the commercials that we've seen, the first handful of episodes up until the last episode, the commercials had like were focused on ads that you would 
where they're pitching stuff for like the average American housewife. And if you look at the themes of the commercials, in essence, they're Wanda's past. They're about things she experienced, her traumas, uh, Strucker, uh, Tony Stark, uh, Lagos, etc. Last week, we saw the first commercial that wasn't really aimed at the American housewife. It was aimed at kids. It was Yo Magic. It was a Gogurt style yogurt. And that was the first commercial where we weren't really dealing with Wanda's past. It's sort of her present. I mean, the idea was, you know, we have this villainous shark that's snacking on Yo Magic. Clearly a metaphor, maybe, for what's going on with Wanda. In this episode, we get a commercial that, I mean, it, it, I don't know if this would be going back to uh, targeting the American housewife, but it's it's targeting adults. It's, in essence, an antidepressant type of commercial for a drug called Nexus. The name Nexus is very important in the Marvel universe. Um, the professor, if you could give us a primer on what the Nexus is, that would be awesome. Um, apparently, there are Nexus people as well in the comics, which is leading a lot of people to theorize online that maybe the Infinity Stones are being traded for these Nexus individuals, and maybe that's going to be the next theme for you know the next uh, grand arc of the next ten-year arc of uh, the uh, MCU. I don't know, just because I'm not that comic book literate. Uh, but uh, let's talk about the commercial. What are the commercial's implications? What does it mean? Uh, Professor, let's start off with you. And can you explain Nexus uh, and what the Nexus means? Because I know it deals with the multiverse and what Nexus people, what that means as well. Yeah, well, in the comics, there is uh, a place in Florida called the Nexus of Realities, which is guarded, guarded over by a character called the Man-Thing. So some people were like, oh, are we going to get Man-Thing, uh, who is just a cheap Swamp Thing uh, ripoff. Um, oh, but uh, my suspicion, before I get into the whole Nexus as a person thing, is they're going to create in New Jersey, Westview will become the nexus of realities the idea behind the nexus of realities is it is a point at which the multiverses touch each other so you can easily transfer from one multiverse into another through the nexus of realities so if they do that they're setting up dr strange in the multiverse of madness because you know i'm i'm willing to bet any reasonable sum of money that benedict cumberbatch will appear by the end of the series uh and this will be setting up uh, dr strange in the multiverse of madness uh, that, uh, you know, this is going to be how we get to the multiverse. This will be the, the, the jumping off point to get into the multiverse, whether it's because Wanda escapes into the multiverse and he shows up to chase her or because there's a bigger threat and he needs her help to to fight it. Uh, I'll bet any reasonable sum of money that we get Cumberbatch. And if we don't, he's a terrible sorcerer supreme because shit like this he should be dealing with. Now, the other possibility is that you know, in the Marvel Universe, there is the concept of people who are nexus points. And the Scarlet Witch in the comics is a nexus point. What that means is that where you have, you know, different alternate realities, 
Um, the Scarlet Witch is the same in all of them. So, you know, you would have an, an alternate universe in which Reed Richards never went to space and uh, an alternate universe in which Reed Richards died when he was a kid, et cetera, et cetera. But these Nexus people, like the Scarlet Witch in the comics, are the same in every universe. So they could be setting up that. My feeling is they're probably going to go uh, with the idea of, of a Nexus of Realities in Jersey. Uh, and, you know, that becomes a jumping off point for for multiverse. And again, you know, if you're talking about, uh, you know, the Spider-Man movie, how do you get, you know, assuming we're getting different Spider-Men from different multiverses coming in, you know, it, it's somewhat analogous to uh, if you watched uh, uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, you know, essentially, you know, what the Kingpin was creating there was a nexus point because it, it allowed alternate universes to bleed into their universe. So my gut feeling is that's what they're doing here. They're establishing the nexus of realities uh, in Jersey rather than in Florida, whether for tax reasons or you know whatever. Uh, but, yeah, that's my gut feeling is what's going to come out of this. Very interesting. It's been the nexus all along. All right, Priscilla. What about you? What'd now, you against that, mm-hmm. I, I would argue, you know, possibly the point of view of uh, whether it is, you know, Scarlet Witch being, you know, a nexus point or something like that. If you look at the nexus ad, it ended with the words, uh, you know, you know, something to the extent of, you know, you are the center of the universe. You know, which w- could argue that she's going to become the nexus point rather than it being a, a sort of localized uh, uh, situation. So who knows? But either way, I think we're we're going to be dealing with that. This is going to be the introduction of the multiverse to the MCU, uh, whether it's a fixed point in space as Westview or whether it's the Scarlet Witch. I think the idea of the nexus uh, is uh, is really important for the MCU going forward. I like it. Priscilla, what about you? Your take on the commercial? I really like have no idea about nexus points. Like I was ju- I was exactly like you was kind of like what all, all I was thinking about was that this is looks like another one of the stones that that it's talking about. That Yes, we missed like you. Another- we missed you last week talking about the stones. The professor was like, "Oh gosh, Priscilla needs to be here to talk about how your magic is tied to the stones." It's true, but like it, it's it, they. It was a purple stone. It looked like the power stone. The 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 yo magic looked like the power stone, and this one looks like another stone. But I just couldn't really figure out which one it was, which one was left. I was thinking it was like the soul stone because it was orange, but that was about it. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. The commercial was fascinating. Um, depend depending on what they do next week, this could be our last commercial. I feel like we will get a commercial next week, though. Um, if they do do a clip show, uh, depending on how it's done, I, I think they could easily slide in a commercial. So uh, this might not be the last commercial, but it's quite fascinating that the past two commercials have been dealing with present stuff maybe even future stuff versus past stuff, which we saw in the first, um, you know, what was it? First four or five commercials uh, was all dealing with Wanda's past. These uh, most recent two are dealing with her present and her future. Um, and, and to be quite honest, the MCU's future, which is hella interesting. Professor, you were going to say something? 
I was just going to mention that, you know, one of the things they've done really well with the commercials is, you know, tying them to the time of it. And, you know, with uh, with Modern Family being, you know, a, a you know, 2000, 2010s type show, that's been the era where we've seen these uh, these pharmaceutical commercials all done to a certain style. Um, you know, you, you didn't see those back in the, uh, the, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. So saving it for now, uh, you know, really tied into the. Uh, you know, the, the time frame they're going with the uh, uh, with the TV show, uh, as well as, you know, the commercial possibly tipping us off to something bigger than that. Mm-hmm. And once again, the same actors, the same adults and the same two kids. I, I don't know if that really means anything, uh, but it's just interesting that they've really consistently uh, kept the same two adults. And uh, once they introduced the children, the same two kids in in the commercials. Um, clearly, last week's was a little bit different because it was uh, claymation and that sort of thing, so we didn't see um, humans in the commercial. But now that we see them again, it's the same uh, male and female adults and, and the same two kids, which is uh, interesting. I wonder if they're Westviewans. Um, I mean, I would assume they have to be, yeah. All right. Let's talk about let's talk about Vision and Darcy. So a question that I had at the end of the podcast last week was like, you know, Vision and Darcy, they had a moment, you know, when Vision, you know, crossed the threshold and he was asking for help for the residents of Westview, there was a moment when Darcy and Vision locked eyes. And I was like, and I told the person, I was like, that has to mean something, right? Like, they didn't show us that for, for, for nothing. Like, this has to be something that they're going to remember in this one. And, like, especially if, if Vision was going to remember everything that happened, like, Vision was going to have to remember this woman, and they did. And it was spectacular. And he, even the way that it was brought up, he was like, we had a moment. We locked eyes. Um, I, I think we were all wondering how they were going to incorporate Darcy. Uh, at the end of the episode, we saw the sword people being turned into um, circus folk, carnival people. And uh, I think the entire internet was wondering, is Darcy going to be a part of the circus? Or is she going to be somewhere in town? Um, I think it would have been pure comedy had she been a waitress at a diner in the town. But she wasn't. She was the escape artist in the circus, which was hella appropriate because she was handcuffed to uh, a car. And I don't know if any of you noticed this, but the strong man, the one that she knocked out, was the dude that handcuffed her. It was spectacular. So what do we think of how we found Darcy? What did we think of Darcy and Vision's journey? A lot of it was Darcy basically filling Vision in on who he was. And a lot of it was also Darcy filling Vision in on who Wanda is. What she's experienced. Um the grief that, that she's experienced sort of over and over and over again with Pietro, with Vision, watching Vision die twice and that sort of thing. Um, so I think uh, Vision was able to gain 
uh, sympathy and empathy towards Wanda. Uh, Priscilla, what did you think of uh, Wanda and Vision's uh, excellent adventure in um, Stop and Go Traffic? As much as I loved the Ag- it was Agatha all along, this was my favorite part of the episode. I freaking loved their their little moment together where she's like, "All right, fine, but I'm ordering the lobster," and and she just and he finally zaps her out of it, and she's like, "Whoa, okay, that's a rush," and she and she explains everything to him, and she's so kind to him, even though he's just kind of like a baby just lost. Like, really? I come from Jarvis? And I was an Avenger? What the hell does that mean? Like, he's so lost. But, he, like you said, he gains an appreciation for what his wife has gone through by her explaining that he's died twice for her for the world and it really came about to nothing since he's still he's alive now but why is still up in the air and the fact that he has to go home is made even more evident and the fact that his wife is trying to keep him from going home with the little tricks of the little traffic jam and the little fixing of the light and the crossing of the children, like, which still makes me wonder if the, if it's Wanda or if it's Agatha at that point, but I digress. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Even if it's, if it's one or the other, he still needs to get home. And the fact that he's like, no, I, I, like, I've had enough of this. Like, this, this interview is stupid. I need to get home now. And he just flies off. And poor, <laughs> poor Darcy's like, okay, I'll meet you over there, I guess. That was, that was funny as hell. And I loved it. And I just, I loved everything about their scenes. They are great scene partners. They make great humor together, and I loved everything about it. Facts on top of facts on top of facts. Professor, what about you? Your take on Darcy and Vision together at last? Oh, we just needed, we needed so much more of them together. It was delightful. I mean, give us an entire episode that's just them driving in a funnel cake truck, uh, and it'll be delightful, not just because it was really funny, and it was really funny. I mean, you mentioned last episode uh, the fact they did lock eyes clearly, that we were going to get the payoff, that you know, Vision would recognize her and she wouldn't recognize him, uh, which is, of course, how it's set up. I do find it interesting that you know, even though Vision is aware of you know, the sort of the unreality of it, he's still, to a certain extent, a prisoner of the sitcom tropes, you know, like, uh, you know, when he was going up to her and, and trying to explain things, it was done in a very sitcom way. Uh, you know, Darcy got the lines, even when he, you know, had to distract her with, Oh, look at the mime. He can't carry the tray, uh, to, uh, to, uh, you know, unlock her memories, but then escaping, you know, he can fly, but they're escaping in a funnel truck, a uh, funnel cake truck, um, you know, and, and him doing the apologies to the guy. Oh, I can't hear you. We're, we're double booked and everything like that. It was very sitcom. And, and again, 
you know, callbacks to Modern Family, the way they shot it, uh, you know, the uh, the shooting, the uh, the truck driving away from the multiple angles and then cutting them together in a way felt very sitcom-y. Uh, but again, getting back to what Priscilla was saying, you know, the fact that while they're in the truck and talking, you know, Vision gets to find out some of his hidden history, you know, finding out not just his history, but what Wanda went through with him. And and I do think that while, you know, their conversation was largely played for laughs, you know, the, the humor of it, I think it was very important on two levels. One, that he found out what Wanda has been through. So for the first time, he appreciates, you know, what she's gone through. And I think that'll be very important, uh, you know, next episode uh, when he does make it back, um, his understanding of what she's gone through and and why she might be doing this. But also just having, you know, uh, Darcy had that little throwaway line that, you know, for what it's worth, you know, watching it, you two clearly love each other. And, you know, uh, I think it's important to remember that because, you know, it's easy to sort of see uh, what Wanda has been doing as, you know, uh, very dark and manipulative. Uh, but, you know, having the, the sort of, you know, the trusted external character, Darcy, uh, you know, point out that, you know, it's 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 really it is love, you know, based on what she's seen. I think that was an important thing for Vision to hear. And I think it's also important for us as the audience uh, to hear that from a, a trusted outside source. So as much as, you know, I, I thought it was delightful and, and funny and, and played for laughs and uh, and also, you know, just it gave uh, uh, Vision the opportunity to be sitting, you know, in a, you know, in a chair outside of the, the funnel cake truck talking you know in the modern family style uh you know to the camera crew and then his realization that wh- why am i talking to you and you know fumbling with the uh you know the the microphone to get it off and then uh you know leaving um really really you know smartly done uh but not just for comedy i think that you know there's a lot of important stuff that happened in there as well so uh you know again just really you know cleverly cleverly done i agree one hundred percent. Darcy and Vision were fantastic together. The comedy in this episode was very spot on. I mean, it's very um, modern sitcom comedy, but it worked really well in this Wanda Vision world. Uh, from the theme song, where it was just Wanda, 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 because it was. I mean, we started off Wanda, Wanda, Wanda with Vision kind of over there, and then you know the Vision and Wanda Vision, you know, sort of emerging at the end to uh the opening shots with um that was shot in very modern family you know with the reveal of the scarlet witch costume underneath the bed sheets the confessionals were all really good um the the, the comedy of like um the quick uh what do you call them the quick cuts or or the the quick flashes with um you know, where Wanda's explaining what she did. Like, oh, you know, I, you know, I kind of expanded a hex. So this, that, the other. And then we, we do a quick cut of the hex being expanded. But we saw, in essence, something similar last week. And it was hella dramatic because it was a hella dramatic moment. But if you listen to the music, it was done in the modern family style of like, you know, the bum 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 bum. Like, it's, it's fun, whimsical music when we see these people getting sucked into the hex. Hilarious. And then all the confessionals were really good. Like, now that we know that Agatha was behind it, and, and she was the one asking the questions, it, it'd be interesting just to go back and re-watch the confessionals to see if she was, in particular, trying to get them to talk about things that she doesn't know for whatever nefarious reason. Um, I, I, I kind of get where she was going with Wanda, but I wonder what she was trying to get out of the conversations with Vision. Um, and, and that might be kind of interesting. 
Mm-hmm. I wonder if we react positively to the humor in this um, particular episode because it's our generation and we come from this series, not this series, I should say, but like, but this generation's type of humor. So it reacts better with us. Oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting question. Yeah, because we've, we have talked about, uh, and I know the professor sort of referenced um, when we were watching, in, in particular, if we're going to go all the way back to the first two episodes, and uh, the professor, professor, something that you've sort of consistently said, uh, I would say maybe with the first, at least the first three episodes, you know, like, you know, sometimes we would hear the laugh track, and it wasn't something particularly funny that was said, um, but it would have been funny you know, the, the laugh track is apropos of the time. So 50s, 60s, 70s humor. Um, I think Priscilla's making an interesting point. Like, did the humor catch up with modern comedic response sensibilities? Uh, I think to a certain extent, yes. Um, you know, and, and certainly, you know, if you look back at, you know, the things, the laugh lines, you know, in the uh, the 50s and 60s shows, there were never any jokes there. They were things that were, you know, obviously cheesy and by our contemporary standards, dumb. I think, you know, the humor in this one, certainly, you know, with Vision and Darcy um, felt much more real to uh, to, you know, a modern family slash office. Uh, type sensibility. So I do think there's there's a truth to that, although there was no sitcom anymore. Um, the one thing I remember hearing is that when they shot the uh, the first couple of uh, uh, of episodes, they did have a live audience there and they were all dressed in period costume. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I can't think that was done by chance. I have to think that, you know, at some point, you know, we're going to get flashbacks and see the audience reacting to that in some way. Otherwise, it seems, you know, unnecessarily expensive to uh, uh, to dress up the, uh, the studio audience uh, in costume. So I think there will be some payoff to that, some sort of flashback seeing the audience, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, reacting to, you know, the first couple of episodes uh, before they went to more of the canned laughter route. Very interesting. I believe, um, if I'm not mistaken, it was just the first episode that was filmed in front of a live audience. I think the other ones were the canned laughter. It could have been. I, I wasn't sure whether it was the first or the second, but what they did was I believe they got like friends and family yes. of the cast and crew to ensure uh, secrecy. But again, I can't imagine they would bother dressing them all up because we never saw the audience. So I, I think there's going to have to be some payoff. Otherwise, it's like an insane level of, uh, of detail to, to get people to do that. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. Oh, God. The NDAs <laughs> that were signed. You sold your life away. Uh, but at least you got to witness um, the very first episode of WandaVision. All right. Let's see. Where should we go next? Let's talk about uh, Monica and Wu. There's actually a lot that happens in this storyline um, with Monica in particular. Uh, but we start off with Monica and Wu. They are still driving, and they're on their way to meet uh, Monica's people. We don't really get a payoff uh, as far as her guy, the aerospace engineer. Um, so it was not Reed Richards' people. Um, there's somebody else that people think it might be. Adam Beskar? 
Bess, how do you pronounce uh, it? I, I thought it was Adam Brashear, Brash- uh, the Blue Diamond. Brashear, that's his name. Uh, yeah, so some people uh, think Blue Marvel isn't his name? Uh, is that a Blue Diamond or Blue Marvel? Yeah, Blue Marvel, yes, because yes. It, it, it ties in with the whole uh, Marvel thing. He's a teammate of hers on the Ultimates, um, you know, uh, genius with, uh, with superpowers. Yes, and I believe they were romantical at some point in the comics. So, um, so some people are thinking maybe it's going to be him. We don't know. But it was not Reed Richards, people, so calm down. Um, we don't really get a payoff for that, which maybe it's a good thing. Uh, we did get a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, so she meets with her people. Uh, the, the woman that she meets, the colonel, uh, she, in essence, intimates that, you know, we all got your back. In essence, we support you. Maybe we don't support Hayward. We get a quick flash of Hayward. We know that he's doing nefarious stuff, and he's planning on doing that today. Um, I'm using that in air quotes because we don't know how long today is going to be on WandaVision. So there is that looming threat out there. Uh, they they have her suited up, and they put her in this space rover that should be able to drive through the hex, and she should make it out safely. Um, they she starts driving it. Um, it doesn't work, and the hex starts um, morphing the vehicle so it's half minivan half rover but monica knows that she can make it through the boundary she's like i'm the only one that can reach out to to wanda she jumps through and in essence what we get here is monica's uh superpower origins it is a visually striking um hella emotional moment it's like a minute and a half and, and we just see her venturing through the hex, um, and, and we have all of these uh, lines that, that we know from the films and, and from uh, WandaVision as well. We hear uh, Carol and uh, Maria and Fury, everything, and, um, and, and we see a superhero born i mean not that she wasn't a superhero before because she was a badass but now she's got powers and she runs to wanda and they have a heated confrontation because wanda's basically like why are you here and uh there's a moment where um where monica gets thrown back from with wanda's powers and she does a superhero landing which kind of shocks uh, Wanda and Monica does her talk no jitsu. And it's funny because we, we've sort of talked about like, why did Maria have to die? Why did Maria have to die? Uh, because she was such an interesting character and, and, uh, we didn't really get much time with her outside of just Captain Marvel, the movie. Um, but we have seen, you know, there are flashbacks and that kind of stuff. So characters, uh, might, die but uh, their presence are still felt in in future films and that sort of thing but it was this moment that was needed for maria had to die so that monica could have a means of trying to connect with wanda and her grief and she does the talk no jitsu as our friend Brittany would say on another podcast and it was it was about to work it looked like it was working 
And uh, she was even like, you know, Hayward, he's a villain. You know, he's trying to, to burn this to the ground. You aren't like Hayward. You know, you hesitated when, when I was like, you know, come at me, bro, in, in essence. And, um, and, 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 and Wanda had a, a really good moment. I loved what um, Elizabeth Olsen did. She was like, you know, what if I am? And, like, she does, like, this, just, she emoted in an interesting kind of way. And uh, it makes us all, I think, understand that I think Wanda is seeing herself as the villain in a weird sort of way. Um, let's talk about this. I mean, this is a lot to sort of unpack because Monica goes through a lot in her storyline. So we don't get her guy. Uh, we get interesting visuals of her trying to break in with the rover. We see her have her superhero origin. We have a hella deep, tense, and fascinating conversation. Uh, heated um, conversation with Wanda. Uh, Priscilla. What do you want to talk about? Feel free to pick and choose. Uh, go ahead. Talk about Monica. My God. I freaking loved her superhero origin. I loved seeing her just like sort of figure out that her team was on her side at the at the very beginning. Figure out that, that the people she called were still on her side, that they were going to be on her side and not on Hayward's side no matter what. And using that huge like truck thing that they figured out was not going to work at the very beginning. And as, as it was morphing, she jumped out but she's still like nope you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna go in it either way I know I know I can make, make it through and as she goes through and quotes start coming in and she's just pushing through it and pushing through all of this emotional pain and suffering and just I don't know blossoming into this new individual this new hero it was a powerful moment and I loved it I was just like wow this is just epic I love this I I, I didn't know what else to say I was just there flabbergasted staring at my screen just wanting to see more and wanting to see her use her powers so when Wanda grabbed her and she just kind of like lashed out and did the superhero pose to land down to a superhero landing. Well, I was like, wow, yes, give me more because I like this a lot. You can do whatever you want now because now you are a superhero. And she just... She tried doing the talk no jutsu and it didn't work. And I'm sad that it didn't work because oh, Agnes got in the way. It was Agatha all along. She did. Oh. It was working though, which I I was really impressed. Um, you know, if, if the reason to in essence kill off Maria was to allow Monica to have a reason to to share to bond in essence, with uh, Wanda over their grief, um, then that, I mean, I, I, I guess that was a good enough reason because um, 
I, I knew this was coming. Uh, it, you know, when Juan, not Wanda, when Monica sort of uh, was kept on like intimating to her team, like I'm the one that can get through to her. Like I know, like I know how to do it. Like I, I was like, I think they're going to go with her grief. And even though her grief is still really fresh and we haven't really been seeing her grieve, let's be for real. I mean, we just picked up with her going back to work and that sort of thing. So the grief is really fresh for her, uh, which it would be really fresh for Wanda as well. So it, it's interesting how they're trying to connect them. And uh, I, I kind of like it. Um, I will say that, as I said on social media, this was hands down one of like the most visually impressive superhero uh, origins that I've seen in the MCU. Uh, it was incredibly emotional for me as well. Like I was in my feels as I was watching it, um, and I was incredibly proud of Monica, like just pushing through that barrier. Um, the, we didn't see what happened the first time around, but she like got sucked in the first time around. Like this time, she actually had to break through the barrier, even though she was welcomed into it in a sense. Um, but it was just incredibly powerful. I thoroughly loved it. Tiana Paris is just fantastic. And when her eyes glowed blue and when she started to see, I don't know what you would call it, the frequencies of everything. I don't know what photon or spectrum's powers are, but it's, it was hella interesting and I was here for it and I was excited and I was like, you go, Monica. Professor, what about you? What are your thoughts on everything Monica? Well, it, it was definitely superhero origin, um, you know, the, the pushing through. I did think that, you know, if I were, you know, the aerospace engineer who brought the multi-million dollar vehicle uh, that got thrown out and then Monica just walked through it, you know, I think it, we would have been justified cutting back to the engineer going, wait, if you could have just walked through, why did we bring the multi-million dollar vehicle that you just destroyed? Um, you know, kind of pointless when you think about it like that. <laughs> Um, I'm just saying, you know, couldn't you have just turn around and walk through without us wasting this incredibly expensive piece of equipment? Canadian shade um, at its best. Uh, I did, I, I did like, you know, and again, it's, it's that, you know, she, the first time, you know, going through, you know, it, it wasn't her choice. Having her go through the third time, it was her choice. It was her pushing through against the resistance. So instead of her just getting powers by chance, uh, she's getting them as a result of what she did, which I think makes the, the origin story, uh, you know, more significant, you know, it, it's pushing through fighting against the pain, uh, making that happen. Um, visually, it was really striking. It was interesting sort of seeing the, the different versions of her. Um, you know, uh, it could be, you know, and, and, you know, the voices that, you know, we were hearing, um, you know, it could be related to different instances of her through time. It could be, again, with the idea of the nexus, you know, different versions of her in different realities, possibly bleeding through, um, uh, it could have been related to that as well. Um, uh, but no, I, you know, the only problem is that, you know, as soon as we saw Monica Rambo. Uh, you know, in, you know, uh, early on, we, we all were, you know, those of us, you know, familiar with the comics were, well, you know, the first time we saw Monica Rambeau in Captain Marvel, we were going, oh, it's Spectrum or Photon or Captain Marvel, depending on, you know, when we know that. So, you know, again, it's a bit like the, uh, uh, the Agatha reveal, 
you know, something we were entirely expecting, but but very well done uh, and good payoff. And, you know, just, you know, again, the glowing of the eyes, uh, the fact that she could perceive the electromagnetic fields, uh, you know, gives you a sense of, of her powers without, you know, completely revealing them. Um, you know, great conversation with uh, uh, with with Wanda. Um, uh, you know, unlike you, I, I don't feel she was that close to breaking through to Wanda. I don't think that if she if Agatha hadn't intervened that. Uh, Wanda would have gone, you're right, I'm taking down the hex or anything like that, because I think, you know, Wanda realizes things have gone too far. You know, she's sort of, you know, so far embedded that, you know, she's, as you say, sort of realizing well, what she's done. She's done some some bad stuff. And, you know, she has to come to uh, to grips with that. Uh, but again, you know, having Agatha step in, you know, and 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 take her aside, you know, and then with the Agatha reveal later on, it just makes it, uh, you know, that much more delightful. Um, but, yeah, you know, having her out there and having, you know, uh, her enhanced perception powers and, you know, she'll be you know discovering her powers going forward. You know, she becomes a, a valuable asset. Uh, for Wanda in whatever happens both inside the hex and outside the hex in the final two episodes. Mm-hmm. Now here's a question. So we've seen people getting absorbed by the hex and they take on the sitcom persona. She didn't though. Like when she burst through the the hex, I mean, clearly it, it was important that she didn't. Because it, it would have completely derailed uh, her motivation. But do we think there's a reason as to why she didn't take on a sitcom persona again? Is it because she already had once? And if you go through the hex a second time, or well, technically it's the third time, because she went through the hex and then she shot out of the hex so that she went through the barrier a second time. This is not her third time through the barrier. Is it because you know she had already gotten a sitcom persona is that why she didn't get a new one or she wasn't um affected by that portion of the hex is that what we're going to go with i think so i think it's that she was already rejected by the hex that she burst out of the she broke through the fourth wall already. Yes. And because of that, like, when she pushed through the walls, she did so of her own volition and her own choice. And she, therefore, didn't have to take on any of the ru- the rules and responsibilities that um, others who were forced through, not through their own volition, and thus, like, gain roles that are assigned to them, are given. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Professor, uh, do you agree? Yeah, I think it, it has to be one of the two. I'm not sure which, but I think, you know, the, the simplest explanation is because she's already been through the hex twice. You know, she's already been, you know, transformed. Uh, but I think, you know, a more superhero origin thing is it's because of it was she was going through of her own volition. And she's the first person who's gone through the hex in that way. Everyone else has been swallowed up by it. She pushed through, you know, fought against it. And, you know, one could maybe make the argument that because of that, uh, she was able to retain her own volition. But uh, um, uh, I, I think it's more likely from a story point of view to be the, uh, the fact that she's already gone through it. Uh, twice. Okay. We did see Dottie. There was a Dottie Watch for those out there that are curious about Dottie. Um, we saw her for a brief moment when uh, Monica and Wanda were having their altercation, like the neighbors 
started to uh, watch, as uh, you know, nosy neighbors will do. Um, so Dottie is still there. We don't know if she's anybody, but uh, she she was Anya on Buffy. So um, there is that. Okay, let's talk about the twins. And in essence, we're going to be talking about Agnes, Agatha all along. So, props to the kid actors, because they were fantastic. I mean, the way that they were looking at the camera, it was done in the way that those type of sitcoms are done. I mean, it was just, their reactions were fantastic. Um, Agnes uh, comes over. Uh, we should make a little note that Wanda opens the door with magic when uh, Agnes knocks. And, it, you know, Wanda's being hella carefree with her magic, as she has been for many episodes now. Uh, Agnes takes the kids away. She's like, I will watch them, you know, while you do your thing. What is it that she called it? A quarantine-style staycation, which was hella meta. <laughs> In a hilarious kind of way. Because they were filming a lot of this. Um, when you know During COVID. I mean they were filming this last year. Uh, the reason why we're seeing this first. Is because. I guess they had filmed enough. That you know they could release it. Before Falcon and Winter Soldier. Falcon and Winter Soldier. Because a lot of that was shot internationally. They, they shut down the production of that. Uh, much sooner, and it took them a moment to restart filming. Uh, WandaVision was filmed in Atlanta, where, uh, I think it's Pinewood Studios, which um, is where the majority of the MCU stuff is shot when it's filmed here in America, in in the U.S. Um, okay, so uh, so she, she said that. Uh, Agnes has the kids, and we get an interesting line from... Billy. So earlier when he was at the house, like, Mom, you have to help me, and all these voices in my head, you know, how can I, whatever, whatever, whatever. When he gets over to Agnes, I like it here. It's quiet. You're quiet. And Agnes... You sh- that would have given off the biggest red flag right away to everybody that there's a reason why... She's quiet. Yes, big time. Um, Agnes reacts to it in an interesting way. You could take that reaction two ways now, now that we know Agnes, um, Agnes, uh, Agatha. Uh, you could take that reaction two ways. Number one, she was playing it in the normal sitcom kind of way, like, oh, the creepy kid, and I'm going to react to it in the sitcom, and that sort of thing. But if we know her now as Agnes, I do wonder if there's a double meaning to her reaction, which should be interesting. Because like, is she really now starting to uh, realize uh, the powers that she's dealing with? I do wonder. Um, by the end of the episode, as uh, I mentioned, our sort of core focus when we were talking about the end was Wanda and the uh, Agatha Harkness reveal. The twins are missing. So, 
there's that. Uh, so let's talk about this. There, there were a lot of little quirky stuff with Agnes as well. Um, you know, she, she bit a kid. Um, I mean, there was just pure comedy, like the mole on her back, and then like the gag was like, "Okay, oh, one of you kids, can you check out the mole?" I mean, there was a lot of comedy and and goody, good stuff, goodies with um with Agnes and the twins. Uh, but uh, was there anything in particular? that that sort of stood out to either of you in regards to Agnes, the twins, and uh, maybe what this could mean. I'll open it up to the floor. Just the mole might have been like a witch's mark, and it might have actually been like the truth when she's like, I have a mole in the back. And I, I, I was thinking along the lines too of um, when she's like, "You're when Billy was like, "You're quiet." I was like, "Oh shit, that must mean that she's been cloaking her her mind all along." So, so Wanda doesn't find out what she's been thinking about her. That must mean that she's been uh, orchestrating something against her this entire time. That's that's the first thing I thought. And when that's why when she started singing it didn't shock me. I, that 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 gave me the oh shit moment, but it didn't shock me. Mhm. Interesting. Professor, what about you? What what what's your take on the twins, Agnes? Uh I think the big question is where the twins are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for Agnes to say, oh, they're probably in the basement, uh, you know, you know, obviously she wanted to get wanted down there, um, you know, various speculations that, you know, the twins are creations of magic and, you know, are, are you know, she maybe has them trapped somewhere and, you know, is, is siphoning their energy off or something like that. I don't know. Uh, but I do think that's, you know, one of the important things we have to find out uh, very early in the next episode. And again, I think what that'll come down to Agnes explaining what she's been doing, you know, the background and the motivations behind it. And, and part of that will be finding out, uh, you know, where the twins are and what their nature is. Okay. I like that because I do feel like we do need an explanation as to what the twins are, you know, because um, who was it? Uh, Monica said uh, in the episode when she was kicked out of the heck, she's like, oh, no, the twins are very real. Like those are those are her babies. So I wonder what that means, though. Um, I do think the 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 series has to end with something bad happening whether it's vision dead and the twins still being alive or uh, the you know maybe the three of them dying i don't know um, i do think there's going to be something traumatic happening at the end of it and it, it'll be interesting to see what it is i think we all sort of have our, have placed our bets that vision is probably going to die again but i do wonder does that mean that the twins have to die and um if that happens, I, I have read that in the comics, apparently they do die, but that they come back and, or something like that. So maybe that's something that could happen. Um, I do think they are. Yeah, trying. as is often the case mm-hmm. with comics, it's it's confusing. Yeah. And I do it feel does seem that mm-hmm. uh, that Marvel might be setting up for a, a Young Avengers. Exactly. And, uh, that's why I think they would have to come back. Our members of the Young Avengers. So that might be a form of plot armor for them. 
Um, but uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm convinced Vision will be dead at the end of it. And yeah, I don't know about the kids. It's uh, again, you know, depending on what happens in terms of is this a nexus? You know, can they continue to exist? Can they exist outside of the hex? Um, we have seen that you know things you know expelled from the hex uh, can still exist. You know, are the the uh, the kids complete creations? Did she you know convert a couple of kids that were already living in Westview? Um, you know, a lot of questions out there, but yeah, my gut feeling is, you know, it's going to be a very bad ending. Uh, very sad, uh, for the Scarlet Witch, as we said, uh, one thing you were mentioning earlier when her magic was glitching, you know, I've said that, you know, if you look at the house, it always has the same basic floor plan, even though they changed the decorations. And during the glitches, it seemed to me that I was seeing in the background, it looked like sort of a ruined house. And I speculated, uh, you know, uh, a few episodes ago that, you know, we would realize at the end of it that Wanda has basically been living, you know, in a in a, a broken down, dilapidated house, you know, and she's just, you know, using her illusions and, and her magic to uh, to create a reality. And I'm convinced that, you know, I'm still convinced that, you know, at the end of it, we'll see her in this ruined house, possibly, you know, with the with Vision's body in there as well. And we'll see that this was the house that she was, you know creating everything in, but it's just sort of, you know, a, a, a ruined uh, Hulk of a house. And I would actually like that because it would go to sort of show us that Wanda's intentions weren't evil. You know, she wasn't taking over someone's house. You know, she created this, you know, from, let's say, a dilapidated, uh, abandoned house um, that she had been squatting in or something. Like, I, I think um, that would actually be a good look towards wanda um because it it would show that her intentions were pure i mean she was just trying she was grieving she was trying to cope with her loss and um, i mean she clearly did it in the worst way possible but um her intentions at least started off pure okay let's talk about the book as winifred sanderson said book (laughs) on hocus pocus the book the book what is the book is it the dark hold is it uh, i read um i didn't know this one necromicon is that how you pronounced it oh the necronomicon necronomicon okay some people are like maybe it's that if it's not the dark hold uh, because the dark hold has interesting implications we have seen the dark hold on agents of shield um it'll be interesting uh- it, if they do connect it, then maybe, you know, because as of right now, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. isn't connected to the MCU. Um, but neither is Daredevil and um, Jessica Jones. But yet Kristen Ritter is allegedly on She-Hulk. And Charlie Cox is allegedly in Spider-Man 3. So it's like, I don't I don't know what they're doing. Um, if the multiverse is opening, then that, that means anything can happen. Uh, but... If it's the Darkhold, um, I believe there are more sinister implications. Because if it is the Darkhold, then, in essence, this could be an out for Agatha. It, it was Agatha all along, but Agatha could be in control, could be under the control of the Darkhold, which would lead to Mephisto. Mephisto, I think. Um, because as, uh, the professor stated, um, when we've discussed the potential of Agatha Harkness, Agatha Harkness in the comics is not a villain. 
She is a chaos-neutral, chaos-positive person. And based off of what we saw in this episode and the end, it looks like they're setting her up as the big bad. Which, I mean, let's be real, when the MCU has taken characters from the comics, I mean, they do use the characters as they would want to, as they see fit. So maybe they do want to use her as a villain. And maybe they still want to use her as a villain. Maybe they'll reform her at some point so they can use her as they did in, in the comics. But um, if that's the Darkhold, I do feel like they're writing Agatha and out, as in she wasn't under her own control. She was being controlled by the Darkhold, which is under the control of someone else. I don't know about the Necronomonopia, whatever that was. So I don't know if that has the same nefarious um, type of thing where the book can control the person. Um, you all will have to fill me in on that. Uh, I just saw the name over the weekend and some people are like, it could be this. It's not the Darkhold. I don't know if it's either or. But it is an interesting book that emits a an orangey hellfire glow, which um, makes it hella... Sus. Priscilla, Professor, do you have answers on the book? I think it's the Darkhold because I think it changes its appearance over like it's over time. And I think it just it fits with the Homofisto thing that we've got going on and it fits with the whole theory that I've got concocted that it might be Mephisto and that it might be um, the opening to a different like portal dimension like different like siphoning of powers sort of deal going on here okay that's interesting I mean the twins are tied to Mephisto in the comics I, I... I have read that. In the comics, apparently, Wanda creates the twins from, like, a piece of Mephisto or something like that. Um, so, so that... Mephisto is around um, in the comics when it comes to the twins. Um, Professor, I want to ask you about this as well. I want to throw in the, um, the mid-credits scene, though. Uh, so this is the first time we've ever gotten a mid-credit scene in WandaVision. So hopefully everybody's stuck around that's listening. If not, you missed a little scene, but it's important. Although it was played sort of for a gag, but I think there there is a deeper meaning towards it if you actually pay attention to everything that goes on in that scene. So Monica is... Uh, in essence, she's being the nosy neighbor now. She's snooping around uh, Agnes's house she opens the cellar door or whatever you call that to, you know to go down into the basement um and she sees the purple vines or, or the, she sees the vines that we saw down there and they're glowing purple now okay remember monica's eyes glow blue when she uses her powers her eyes glowed purple and we see Pietro, and I'm going to use that in air quotes, and he's like, Snooper's going snoop. And then she turns around, and we have a close-up visual of her eyes glowing purple. 
Now, I watched that a couple times, and her eyes first started glowing purple when she saw the vines. So there's that. I don't know what this means. Professor, did you notice any of that? And I also want to get your take on the book. Well, regarding the book, uh, I don't know. You know, it's obviously it's a magical volume. You know, ordinary books don't uh, glow like that. Uh, And again, this could just be... um, you know, uh, my color perception uh, or, you know, the setting of my TV or something like that. But I didn't think it was an orange glow around. I thought it was Wanda's red glow around it, uh, which might indicate that it's siphoning her power, you know, or is the source of her power. I don't know. But, yeah, I didn't really see an orange. I saw the a very similar red to what Wanda does. Uh, regarding the final scene uh, with Pietro, uh, given, you know, during the Agatha all along, we realized that, you know, Agatha was the one responsible for Pietro coming back. Uh, it kind of made sense. Um, uh, yeah, the, the glowing uh, of the eyes, it might just be that, you know, it's, uh, you know, uh, you know, whatever, you know, she's presumably perceiving magical energy in the same way that she can uh, perceive uh, uh, electromagnetic energy. So it might just be that her eyes are going uh, purple because she's perceiving that energy. I do think it's important that the uh, the energy that she saw around the vines uh, is the same color as Agatha's because it, it only makes sense, right? It's, you know, Agatha's place, so this is uh, Agatha's uh, energy. Um, I'm not entirely sure, just, uh, you know, looking at it again, yeah, so we do have the uh, the vine things. Um, it's funny, like, you know, you're, you're talking about her eyes glowing purple. Like, I'm literally watching the scene as I'm talking to you, and I don't see her eyes glowing purple at all. Um, I don't see any sign of glow in them. They just look like uh, Tiana Paris's normal eyes. So I don't think, uh, yeah, I, I don't see that at all uh, happening there. Really? Because when yeah, she, lo- I, I, I literally was watching it as we were talking, and I don't see any glow. And I'm looking at it on my tablet, so it's like right in front of my eyes. I don't see a glow in her eyes. Because her eyes, I noticed her eyes glowed. So she opens the door and she looks at the vines. Then we get a quick cut of her looking at the vines, and I saw purple, a little glimmer of purple in her eyes. And then uh, we get the full reveal when he's like, Snooper's going snoop. And then we get the close-up where we clearly see that, hi- that her eyes are purple. Yeah, it could just be the glare off my screen, but I'm looking at it, you know, uh, right here. Boom. It, it could be purple. It might just be, you know, reflected light or anything like that. But they're not, certainly Maybe. if they are, they're not glowing in the same. Like when they glowed blue earlier, they were, you know, glowing blue. You couldn't miss it. Here, if if it is, it's, it's a very subtle thing. So I don't know. Um, uh, but again, if they are, I would argue that it, it's just that she's picking up the magical energy. Uh, and, you know, she's picking it up because it's, you know, Agnes's purple energy. So I think that, you know, uh, whether she's spectrum or photon, you know, or, or some uh, admixture of the powers, uh, she's going to be able to perceive and probably not manipulate, but certainly perceive uh, magical energy in the same way that she can perceive uh, electromagnetic energy. Um, so, yeah, as I say, you know, when I saw the, uh, the book, I assumed it was red, same as, uh, as Wanda's red. Uh, not necessarily, you know, the, the case, but uh, um, it, it is possible. I'm, I'm pretty sure that, you know, they're, they're not going to make Photon a magic-based character. So, you know, I would think it's just that, you know, if her eyes were glowing, it's because she's perceiving, uh, you know, that particular, uh, you know, uh, wavelength of energy. Okay. Priscilla, what about you? Do you have anything to add in regards to the mid-credits scene? Well, I thought they were purple. Like, I yeah. watched it again, and I thought it was her eyes were purple. Yeah, because I'm worried. I don't know what that means. Uh, I do like the professor's theory, because that means that Wanda, not Wanda, that Monica is not going to be under um, 
Agatha's control. But if mm-hmm. if this, you know, maybe I'm just a little more progressive than you guys. I don't see color. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I I do because it makes me worried for Monica. Uh, if this means that they know she's gonna be mind controlled by uh, Agatha, so I hope that it isn't that. I, I wouldn't think so. If she was being mind controlled, I don't think there'd be any reason for Pietro to be confronting her because she'd be under control. True. Mm-hmm. True. 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 Snooper's gonna snoop. Ain't that the truth? So after this reveal at the end, Agatha all along and all this kind of stuff, it does make me reevaluate Pietro in the previous episode. And I do want to ask this before uh, you know uh, we start to wrap things up. So, a point that I made in the previous episode, which you were not here for, Priscilla, so I I will uh, reiterate it for you. Something that I noticed with Pietro is that um, Wanda was asking a lot of questions. Pietro was not forthcoming with a lot of answers. But he was asking a lot of questions, and Wanda was giving a lot of answers. And one of his big questions was, so how did you do it? How did you do all this? You know, I I like your system. I like what you've done. But how did you do this? So he was really picking and prodding her, like trying to figure this out. And uh, last week, you know, uh, I, I, I made a point of saying, you know, a lot of people think maybe he's the big bad. Maybe he is the big bad. And he's trying to figure things out and trying to understand how Wanda did what she did. You know, because there was the, the Yo Magic... And the shark snacking on Yo Magic, and the shark was actually same colors as as what uh, Pietro was wearing, which is the Quicksilver comic-based uh, uh, costume. But I also was like, if he isn't the big bad, maybe he's a hench person to the big bad, trying to understand how Wanda did all this. Now that we've got the the answer to Agatha all along, if she is the big bad. She still is trying to understand how Wanda did this. I mean, the the theme song, we see her, in essence, flying into Westview. We don't see that she was there at the, the Nexus, you know, at the creation of Westview. So she glides in and uh, she acclimates to the 1950s setting you know we've seen when people join westview they start off in color and then they acclimate to the setting i mean we saw that with the with the beekeeper in the 60s episode and in episode four when we see him enter like he enters it in color and then he turns black and white so in essence we see that with agatha um so so was she the one that was poking and prodding? Like, is that what we're t- supposed to understand now? That Agatha doesn't understand how Wanda did this, and she would like to know why she did it? Or how she did it? Yeah. I I think you hit the nail right on the head. I think that's what she's trying to do. I think that as a witch, she's trying to figure out how another witch succeeded in doing this huge spell that she has no idea how it came about to be or how she harnessed so much power to do it. Okay. 
I don't know if you have anything to add, Professor, but you can answer this question as well, but I'm also going to add in just one final question. Um, do we think there is someone else out there? I don't want to say it's someone else in control, um, someone else as a bigger, bigger bad, but do we think there's another nefarious thing going on outside of just Agatha? I don't know. I kind of hope not simply because there's only two episodes left. We need to spend some of the next episode finding out the backstory, how it came to be, Agatha's uh, you know, motivations and stuff like that. Uh, plus, there's everything going on uh, with Hayward outside. So, I mean, they've got, you know, the, the standard MCU ticking clock that uh, Hayward said, I'm going to do it today. Uh, so, you know, I think whatever happens within the hex, they're going to have to resolve that and then deal with Hayward outside of the hex, trying to, you know, attack them in whatever way he's planning on attacking them. So I think, you know, the next episode, we might have to wrap up or or at least get to a, a stage where, you know, we can wrap that up. And then because we have to deal with Hayward, presumably launching an attack, and then we have to get the denouement. We have to find out what does happen to the Scarlet Witch, what does happen to Vision, what happens to the twins, what happens to Eggs, what happens with Sword. You know, there's a lot of things that have to be dealt with in the next two episodes. So um, I don't think you've got time, realistically, to introduce a, uh, a hidden big bad unless it's in the form of a post-credit scene where you realize there was, you know, it wasn't Agatha all along. It was someone else, you know, uh, possibly coming in as a, as a post-credit uh, reveal, you know, sort of like uh, Thanos, fine, I'll do it myself. Um, uh, so I think we, you, you, yeah, I just don't think we have enough time left. And I think it's, it's, it would be a bit cheap uh, to do that. I also, you know, just, you know, from a, a purely, you know, as I've said, I, you know, I, I kind of, wa- I don't want necessarily there to be a big bad. I think it's important that, you know, the Scarlet Witch deal with the consequences. And if we find out she's been manipulated, that removes some of her agency. I think, you know, she, I think she made it quite clear in this episode she is aware of what she's doing and that it's wrong. Uh, she's doing it because she's grieving, yes, but it's still wrong. And, you know, to have that, oh, you know, Mephisto or or the Dark World or whatever is manipulating her, making her do it, robs her of her agency. And I, I don't think you should do that. I think, you know, she's she's, you know, she may have stumbled on this. It may have been a honey trap and someone has been, you know, siphoning your energy off it. But I don't think you can uh, steal away her agency. Uh, for what she's been doing, because a lot of it is stuff that she has done. And I think she has to to deal with consequences of that. If the big bad is there because there are, they are siphoning off the energy and at a certain point decided, well, if she makes these twins, if she has children, I can siphon off that energy. I think it, it doesn't clear Wanda from what she's done. Like I agree with you. And Priscilla has made this point uh, from the beginning you know, she doesn't want there to be an out for Wanda for everything that she's done. You know, Wanda is grieving. Wanda has taken a town hostage. She could still have done all of that. And there could still be a, a big bat out there, you know, you know, snacking on your magic. I don't think uh, one negates the other. And, and it depends on how it's written. I would hope one doesn't negate the other. I do agree with you, Professor, that, um, you know, adding in another bad uh, would, uh, you know, at this late in the game, uh, you know, could be tricky. Um, the the hints for Mephisto have been all over the place. Uh, devil's in the details, um, if you pay attention to the details. Uh, that, that I think, 
I think they are going to have to have some sort of payoff with that. But I think the payoff could be that we see that, let's say, Mephisto has been siphoning her magic. And uh, in essence, he he's the tease for uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Maybe Mephisto or Nightmare or Cathan or uh, who's the other one? Grim Reaper. Uh, those are the four names that I keep on seeing. Um, you know, one of them, or or two of them, whatever, could be the big bads of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So, uh, whoever the bigger, bigger bad that might be revealed in these final two episodes to be, um, whomever they are, they could be the tease for the film. So, we would get the payoff in the film, and it wouldn't ruin anything. It wouldn't seem like a cheap type of thing, um, I would think. Uh, because it's not like they would they would defeat that person on WandaVision, per se. I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. Uh, another thing that I want to ask, uh, because I was just thinking about it, um, do we think that the next episode will not be an episode of WandaVision? It'll be an episode of Agatha all along? If they continue on the TV trope? Because I feel like they aren't going to get rid of that until maybe the final episode. Or maybe it w- this was the episode where they broke the fourth wall, and, and they won't have a TV tr- trope in the next episode. I do think a clip show would be the next logical step, though, um, just filling us in with the gaps of everything. And, and uh, you know, they've been naming all these episodes with television lingo. I could see the next episode being called the clip show. But do we think it could just be Agatha all along? I think it's going to be MCU for the last two episodes. Okay. Priscilla, what about you? Yeah, I think it's going to be MCU. I don't think it's going to be a clip show. I think it's going to be all reality, all MCU. Okay. All right. I can dig it. Was there anything that I missed? A teeny tiny little moment of anything before we head into the MVP? I guess we covered it. It was Agatha all along, y'all. Just in case you missed that. So now it is time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So choose wisely. Priscilla, who's your MVP? Por qué? My MVP is going to be Darcy. I loved her interacting with Vision. I loved her humor. I loved her... I loved her, and this is just me being the to- a total horn dog here. But I loved her costume as the escape artist. I thought she looked banging in it. I think this was just an amazing episode for Darcy, and I can't wait to see more. So, Darcy for sure. All right, horn dog. She did look good. I will say there was a uh, a poster that uh, featured Darcy, and um, it showed a little bit of her costume. I don't know if any of you have seen the posters that they've been doing, but some of them are are brilliant, because it's like the characters standing behind televisions, and like the televisions feature images of of the character, but the first two um, TVs, because they're kind of set like directly in front of the characters, so, and the first two sets are usually at like um, chest um, length or torso length of it's like two TVs or something, and they usually show a peak of like a costume for like uh, Wanda. You know, she was standing behind the TVs, and so the first you know two TVs that f- 
or first television that featured her torso gave a little bit of like the Scarlet Witch costume. For Vision, it was a little bit of his Vision costume, even though he was dressed, I think, you know, in, um, you know, just, I think he was human uh, behind the TV. And for Darcy, you know, she's dressed as, you know, normal Darcy behind the TV, but there is this, you know, interesting costume with an emblem on it. And a lot of people are like, oh my God, is Darcy going to get superpowers? Is that going to be her superhero costume? And it wasn't. It was just her TV, um, you know, persona, her sitcom persona. So it was it was just kind of funny. Like, when I saw the costume, I was like, hey, so that's what y'all did. All right, Professor, your MVP and why? I thought that she was going to be a cardigan or something and that she was going to be a waitress. Oh, okay. You thought it was a cardigan? That's funny. Yeah, I, I thought for sure she was going to be a waitress. I wanted her so. to be a waitress, too. Because it, it would have been so on the nose. It would have been like the you got it, dude. But it would have been perfect. All right, we interrupted the professor, but I heard what you said all along. I knew what you were going to say, <laughs> professor. Who's your MVP? Agatha. Uh, all right. Uh, and I'm going to give it to Elizabeth Olsen. I just thought she was brilliant. She played Wanda's psychosis, whatever you want to call it. I mean, she was losing it. I mean, clearly, Agnes said it. Um, she played it brilliant. Um, I, I just loved it. Uh, I think my most favorite moment was when she called out the interviewer. You're not supposed to talk. Like, she just, it was just fantastic. Like, everything Elizabeth Olsen was just amazing in this episode. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, now it is time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 televisions? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden television. Professor? You know, I'll, I'll go ahead and give it the golden television. I thought this was just really, really, you know, even better than last week, which I gave a 10. Um, I just really enjoyed this one, and I think it's setting us up for the last two episodes really well as well. Yes, all right. Professor with the Golden TV. Uh, yeah, this one's not going to change until 1951. Um, it's real gold. Priscilla, what about you? I'm going to have to give it a Golden, too, because I loved this episode. I thought it was great. I, I have no complaints about it. I think it hit all the marks of humor, of action, of suspense, of drama, of everything you want, and music, too. So, yeah, for sure. Golden. I love it. And I co-sign Golden TV for me as well. I mean, it was fantastic. Uh, I, I mean, I know that we all gave individual MVPs, but if we're going to be honest, I feel like everybody in the cast was absolutely phenomenal in this episode. Uh, I mean, we, we've gone at length uh, about every single one, you know, the various different storylines, but uh, I, I think the cast was flawless and this episode was just spectacular. A game changer. I mean, how many game changers have we had for WandaVision this season? I feel like every couple episodes, we, we get an episode that just changes everything. And this was one of them. Uh, I mean, we have two episodes left. This was the first, uh, the, the episode that basically kicks off the final third of the series. And uh, we have no idea where it's going. We theorized, but we, we have no idea where this is going. And uh, I feel like the journey is just going to be fantastic. 
So on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Avengers Initiative WandaVision. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Avengers Initiative, WandaVision, and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with the professor. Good night. And Priscilla? It was PCR all along. That was cute. <laughs> I love it. And Priscilla saying y'all, which I'm, I'm going to edit that and turn that into my ringtone for at least the next month. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of the Avengers Initiative WandaVision every Tuesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio Archives. Good night.